Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops Te Sequetan territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequetan Ulu. And today's text, Back to 15, is set in Imperatriz, Brazil, which is the traditional home of the Apinaye peoples. Mm-hmm. Joe, we're like leaving North America. We're leaving Northern Europe. We're like actually <laughs> checking out a text from somewhere else in the world, which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, it's only taken us four years to go <laughs> below the North American border. How good for us. I know, I know, it's true. It's true. But one of the things I enjoyed most about watching this series was just like the landscapes in rural Brazil where the age 15 scenes are shot. I really, mm-hmm. I really did enjoy that. It was a little bit like traveling without traveling. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So folks, the show is created by Janina Tokitaka and... It's funny, I sort of jokingly referred to this as a Brazilian being Erica at the end of last week, and I can confidently say, yeah, that that still checks out, having now seen the entirety of the first season, which consists of about six episodes that range between 25 and 40 minutes. So if folks aren't familiar with Being Erica, that's a Canadian series that Joe and I both love, Mm -hmm. um, which is about a a young woman who meets a therapist who can help her go back to various points in her life and fix the mistakes she's made. Mm -hmm. And Back to 15 is the same idea, sans Dr. Tom, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) This is the story of Anita, who has gone back to her hometown for her sister's wedding and she's kind of a mess and she's a mess yeah everybody else is also (laughs) expecting her to be a mess and so Mm -hmm. clearly this is regular behavior from her (laughs) and so she ends up feeling quite miserable so it's important to know that she's 30 by the way she ends up feeling quite miserable she goes to her old room she turns on her old computer and she logs into the old blog she used to keep or photo blog as they call it on the show photo blogging (laughs) and somehow she gets sucked back into her first day of high school so the conceit of the show is that every time she wants to get back to when she was 15 she logs into her computer and this old computer and she gets access to that period of her life Mm -hmm. and what she discovers is with sort of the confidence and strength of a 30-year-old person, even though she doesn't feel that confidence and strength when she's actually 30. Mm -hmm. And because at first she thinks she's in a dream, she finds it really easy to go and fix all the mistakes she made and to fix the lives of her friends. And so that's the series, really. Each episode is another kind of important moment where something went horribly wrong that Anita tries to undo using the confidence of being in your 30s and not being 15. Yeah, sort of. So I'll confess, I'm a bit mixed on this series. I think there's a lot to like, especially a lot of the performers, uh, both the adults, but especially the teens, I think are particularly easy to get invested in their drama and the conflicts. But I will say that 
and Nita can be a frustrating character to have to spend so much time with. And I found that the series doesn't do her any favors because it takes her far too long to realize <laughs> not only that it's not just a dream, but that she has the capacity to change things and that she should be more active. Like, she's kind of dumb when it comes to realizing what she's able to do with this and even when she like gets back to the present day and she's 30 she's constantly surprised that something is different it's like of course it's different you changed the past anita <laughs> it's also hard for her to figure out that changing the past for the better doesn't always change the current moment for the mm -hmm. better which is you know like time traveler 101 anita come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'll also say, you know, one of the things about having a bit of a messy character is that you have to learn to appreciate their flaws. And I do think by about episode five or six, I was getting there. But early on, especially, I found I needed to just be too messy, uh, especially as an adult. Like, she just seems to have no common sense, and I honestly couldn't figure out what she was doing with her life in Sao Paulo. Yeah. There was just missing some contextual information that I think would have helped to make the character a little less grating early on. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I think that the the show itself takes a long time to figure out, which... So this is actually based on a book. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but I got real annoyed with me because she had messaged me oh crap it's a book but it's really hard to find there's no English translation and then I started watching after her and I messaged her I was like hey it's based on a book <laughs> yes Joe I know I've already told you this I actually snarkily sent you back a screenshot of where I told you yeah real passive aggressive move there Bren <laughs> anyway so it is based on a book um, that's not available in English called, well, it's also called Back to 15 in Portuguese. De Volta as Kenzio? Yeah, that's bad. Oh, trepidatious. I like it. I like it. I don't know Portuguese like at no. all. And I think that, I don't know, it's surprising to me given that there is a book length book out there to figure out Anita's foibles that the TV show takes so long. It often feels, I said to Joe before we started that like, it feels like a pilot got greenlit and then they were like, mm -hmm. oh, crap, we got to make a whole series. <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> it's really not sure what it wants to do with any of these characters. No, and even more baffling, it feels like it never quite figures out what it wants to do in its first season because we end on big cliffhangers and mm -hmm. Netflix was very kind in reassuring me that a season two has been greenlit and it's coming, but... Especially this final episode, which finds adult Anita coming back to a near-perfect life in the present and flying off to Paris to meet her question mark childhood crush, Enrique, where he is working as a musician. And it's meant to be a huge, like, oh no, she's also missed her romantic connection with adult Joel, who is the boy that she had a series of meet-cutes with back at 15. And we're supposed to really care about which boy <laughs> adult Anita is going to end up with. And I was like, you have waffled on this the whole season, and then you spent the entire six episode with no flashbacks, which, P.S., are the best parts of the show. The yes. present-day stuff, not as interesting. No. And I got really frustrated, like, why is this final episode 40 minutes of mostly just, hey, we had the budget to go to Paris, <laughs> so here we are, Anita in Paris. It is a frustrating love triangle because 
the only thing that's really established is we know Enrique has always been in love with Anita. Uh-huh. Enrique has been her best friend since they were 15, and he has been in love with her the whole time. And that yeah. part is clear. Except how... to her. <laughs> it was... <laughs> that's the thing. Except that we don't know how Anita feels about Enrique. It's never clear. And there's this other character, Joel, who was kind of the villain at the start and then becomes maybe a bit of a love interest. But mm-hmm. it's not actually clear that he's that interested in her beyond like a casual dating thing so as an audience you're like okay but Enrique's in love with you so right. what's going on with this Joel thing and then and then it's not clear how she feels about Joel either if she can completely forget about him in that episode and then the last scene we get in that last episode is now Joel can also travel through time yep yep it is <laughs> I think also not helping things is that the young actress who plays Anita Misa Silva I mean she has really good chemistry with all of the boy characters yeah, she really does but I would actually argue that she has the best chemistry with Jao Gilhelm who plays Fabricio young Fabricio yes and that is the boy who's supposed to be in love with her older sister Louisa yes so it's very problematic when early in the season the two of them are hatching plans to break up Louisa and her really boring boyfriend Douglas he's very boring and uh, she ends up inadvertently getting her cousin hit by a car. I mean, not really her fault, but she is in a position where this happens because of the scheming and it all falls apart. But you're just like, yeah, but all this time that you've been spending with Fabricio, you two should maybe consider going out because the chemistry yes. there is really good. Yes, it's true that she has chemistry with everyone. She's a very flirty character at 15. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I think that the show is trying to show us that like that's the beginning of her messiness. But right. really, it's one of the most endearing things about her. So it's absolutely it's hard to not just enjoy it. I want to talk a little bit about the the time travel conceit, because something that the show has been dinged for in North American reviews since it came out on Netflix back in February. Mm hmm is that this 2006 feels too old-timey. So the show is set in 2006, 15 years from 2021, um, and the internet is still Mm dial-up. They use a lot of, like, text-based... Every episode title, by the way, is an old-school ASCII emoji. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I love so much. It's so cheesy. Yeah. But I was just kind of like... When I was reading those reviews, I was like, is it not possible that different parts of the world had different kinds of internet experiences? Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't that be your first reaction? (laughs) I was surprised because people were like, this is not, this is more like 1996. And I was like, or not everywhere is Silicon Valley, you know? Yeah, and especially because the series is set in this small-ish town. Like, 30-year-old Anita lives in Sao Paulo, so you would expect, yeah, she's got all the modern amenities that a large city would afford, but it's made very clear that Imperatrix is not a big place. It's not modern. It's very old-timey. Like, people are constantly walking everywhere and or taking their bikes, So it does have that very old-fashioned feel, and you're absolutely right. Places outside of North America didn't always have high-speed internet and wireless and all of these things. Like, I think that's very much a cultural disconnect that people in North America are taking for granted. Yeah, I think so too. And it is just a side note to say that if you were a nerd 
back in the day, there are some very endearing aspects of this show because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things happen in like chat rooms, you know, yeah. um, a lot of things happen on like old school flip phone texting. Yeah, Anita at one point makes a comment. She's like, oh, this takes so long. <laughs> So there's something very charming about that aspect of things, too. Like, I think what I liked best was seeing nerdy, charming, sweet Anita get infused with the confidence of an adult who doesn't think there's any consequences to anything that's happening. Like, that first episode I find extremely, extremely charming and gripping because of that. And I think that, unfortunately, that vibe much like kind of the nerdy backstory to the show, does sort of fall away as the show gets really invested in this love triangle that isn't really set up or ultimately because of the cliffhanger paid off. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of things build to Louisa's uh, 17th birthday, which is frankly over the top extravagant. It could have been a super sweet 16 birthday party featured on like that MTV show because it is wild. They must Mm -hmm. have spent a small fortune. And I don't think they're a rich family. I was Mm. baffled. But a lot of things come to a head. So we have Fabricio publicly declaring his love for Luisa in a very humiliating fashion, which drives her to leave home in the middle of the night. We have Luisa and Anita's parents fighting over the fact that Luisa's father is frequently traveling and that the mom has made some sacrifices to be there for the girls and be that stay-at-home mother. And Anita, in the one of the more perplexing plot developments in this first season, she thinks that Joel has figured out that she is a time traveler, so she just spends the entire episode avoiding him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey... You could pretty easily say, no, that's not true. You're out of line. Don't worry about it kind of deal. Yeah. And her behavior just makes it seem so much weirder. And again, she's 15. This is where her mind has gone. She's got a lot of other things on her mind. But uh, yeah, that's really the sort of start of, hey, Joel could be a potential romantic prospect. They spent the entire episode DMing through the chat rooms and that kind of stuff. And it's very cute and flirty. But it feels like the show wants to do everything all Mm. at once, but then it also doesn't have any intention of paying them off because it's banking on a season two. So it's like, well, here's a bunch of dangling plot threads. Also, the next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to the present time. We have a lot of moments where Anita has like minor realizations, but never puts them into action. (laughs) So like, one of the things is that at the beginning of the first episode we discover that anita and Luisa's father has died right and that anita has a lot of resentment towards her mom like she's just yes. not very nice to her mom no and what anita realizes over the course of the series is that it's really easy to be mad at the parent who was around but mm-hmm. even before her dad died he was super absent and so yes. you know she slowly comes to have some compassion for her mother and we get like a little bit of a scene where they have like a hug mm-hmm. in the adult world, but again, not satisfyingly. It's like, you've actually spent your whole life being really mean to this woman. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I need more than like this side hug while you back for Paris. <gasps> yeah. And, and adult Anita is so cavalier about how easy she can fix people's lives, which yes. I don't feel like it's earned. It, it still feels like episode one anita where she's kind of a bit of a mess and she takes things for granted so i i 
was a little annoyed at how she's just like, oh, I'll just hug mom and I'll just FaceTime Louisa who has run away from home and hasn't spoken to mom in several years. And she's just like, oh, don't worry, I'll fix everything. It's like, Anita, I I get it. We don't want to move the character so far ahead over just the six episodes that there's nowhere for her to go in season two. But she's still acting very foolishly. And I found that frustrating. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. There's um, this sort of, I don't know, I think the show is setting up a kind of like karmic teeter-totter, which mm. is that as Anita's life, I mean, Anita's life becomes, as Joe said, so good. perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> at the beginning of her life at, at 15, she's chomping to get out of this small town and what we see in her adult life at the beginning of the series is that she's done that like she's escaped the small town she's gone to sao paulo and she's accomplished nothing Mm -hmm. whereas in this other version that she creates for herself by fixing her mistakes along the way she makes imperatrice into this place she actually wants to live and she has this amazing career as a photographer and designer and it's like she has this gorgeous studio, this beautiful home, but mm-hmm. this karmic teeter-totter is that the more fixed and perfect Anita's life gets, the more off the rails Louisa's life goes. Yeah. Which is sort of an inverse of where we meet them at the beginning, right? Which mm-hmm. is Louisa is completely settled and and calm and Anita is a mess. And I, I'm, I don't know where they're going to go with that because yeah. the implication is like... Only one member of the family could be all that successful. Otherwise, everybody just has to be moderately... Like, what is the (laughs) long-term messaging here? That's what I want to know. We haven't found out yet because Louisa is, I don't know, like next door to homeless and um, resentful of the whole family and completely disconnected from them. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You mentioned the father and how Anita, in part in the early episodes, one of the reasons she continues to go back into the past is because she wants to see her father, who we get the sense that he died not completely unexpectedly, but that there were things left unsaid. So Anita really wants to see him a couple more times. And I actually thought that the whole first season was going to build to that meeting. Me too! And it's basically when I was like, okay, so... We've got a couple more episodes because the dad keeps getting delayed returning home. And then that episode, I think it's episode four, he turns up. And it's actually a really great scene. He is the most sage advice giver I've maybe ever seen on a YA series. (laughs) Um, But he gives her all of these things. And this is really when Anita starts to figure out how she can change her life for the better by starting to address the issues she really needs to fix at age 15 and she becomes like a better sister and a better daughter and it's really great and you think okay cool she's done what she needs to do with the dad and then we find out that the dad has been lying about his cancer diagnosis and he knew for a full year before he died he never told any of them and i was like wait now we're adding some new (laughs) wrinkle to this why yeah the show doesn't really know the line between messy interesting and messy incoherent sometimes a little bit yeah there's a lot of balls in the air even though none of them are particularly complicated and you can relatively easily figure out where the show is going to go it does like to throw in the occasional curveball like that i do want to talk joe or more Mm -hmm. to the point i want i want you to talk while i listen because i think you've thought about it more than i have about the storyline we have a trans character Cesar in the back to 15 times in the high school times his name is Mm -hmm. Cesar and 
a very kind of throwaway part of Anita's life in the first round of being 15. But what happens when Anita goes back is she gets to know Cesar, they become really close friends, and then one of the first changes that happens between the first time being 15 and the second time being 15 is that when she returns to the adult world at the end of that first episode, Cesar is now Camilla and Camilla is Anita's roommate and closest friend. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, yeah. Joe, go. <laughs> so I was happy to see that it wasn't something that Anita does. Like we don't ever see adult Cesar. She is always Camilla in the present days when we see her. So the transition is something that will happen regardless. Mm-hmm. My issue, and I'm trying not to come down hard on the show because I actually do find it quite enjoyable, but there were a bunch of little things that I was nitpicking as I was watching the six episodes. This was my big one. So I'm fine with a trans storyline. Happy to see it, especially in Brazil. Like, not a great place for queer people, not a good place for trans people. So I was happy to see this inclusion My issue is that there is a conflation, because it's never clarified, that Cesar doesn't actually identify as male. That is never addressed in the Back to 15 scenes. Cesar is presented as a gay man. He Mm -hmm. is in love with his best friend, who happens to be his anonymous internet boyfriend. So it's Theo and Leo. The fact that Cesar never makes the connection is also baffling. (laughs) But... Yeah, the the problem is that Cesar presents as a boy, doesn't seem to have an issue with his male gender assignment. Sure, there's some gender fluid kind of like he wears a kilt in one episode, like a kind of plaid skirt to Louisa's party. But there's never an indication that he is unsatisfied with his body in terms of like genitalia, identifies as a woman, wants to transition. So the fact that we see Camilla in the present day adult scenes is baffling. And it feels like the show is making a weird statement that if you are gay, you secretly want to transition and become a member of the opposite sex. I really just wanted more um, context (laughs) for Mm -hmm. that character. And, you know, maybe we'll get that in the second season. I do want to give a, I do want to give a shout out to the creators of the show. Camilla is played by Alice Marcone. Mm-hmm. Alice Marcone is transgender actress and in fact also a performer singer was the very first ever transgender uh, Brazilian country music star. Ooh. Yeah, so now I'm on this whole Alice Marcone kick after learning that. <laughs> um so all this to say like I think the show is making some efforts towards Yes, that's doing, doing it, it all correctly. Right, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you completely that the gap in the backstory for Cesar means that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And and as a result, yeah, we fill in that gap by saying this queer boy grew up to be a trans woman. And I, I agree with you that it's a problem. And I think, you know, it's actually an issue with the way the show prioritizes Anita's focus. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense, right? Sure. Like, being Erica is also just from the perspective of being Erica. But we know enough about, for example, a central character in that show is Erica's brother. Who, yes. So we get his transitional backstory alongside Erica's. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem in this show is that there are so many situations, particularly in the adult world, where we're like, wait, wait what? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And it's because we don't get enough of the other characters, ultimately. Too much Anita, not enough everybody else. Yeah, and ironically enough, I mean, I complained that the episodes kind of range in length, and I did send you a message when I was about halfway through because the episodes start to creep up in length. I think the first (laughs) one is like a solid 25 to 27 minutes, and by the time we get to the finale, the episodes are 40 to 43 minutes. That last episode in particular is completely unearned. It honestly feels Mm -hmm. like we got money from Tourism France to (laughs) highlight all of these beautiful, spectacular parts of Paris, which is great, but I don't need a travel blog from Paris. I need resolution to a bunch of these dangling plot threads. But it's frustrating that the show does start to creep up in runtime, and we're still not doing the work on some of these characters and the character development. Well, it wouldn't be the first time we watched a series like this where the creator didn't understand who the most interesting people are. (laughs) So true. (laughs) And in the case of this show, the most interesting people are Camilla, Enrique, and I don't know, like maybe Fabrizio, but it's not Anita, unfortunately. And we spend so much time thinking about like the very minutia of the changes in her motivation between Mm -hmm. 15 and 30 years old and it's like we could unpack some of this and i could i could learn a little bit more about like enrique's music career or camilla's transition or Mm -hmm. literally anything (laughs) yeah yeah i think part of that too is that so often the show is afraid to move away from anita's perspective like we do occasionally get scenes from other characters point of view so like in the final episode we get to see adult joel waiting to meet anita for a date that she has seemingly forgotten and never told her personal assistant who does all her scheduling about so of course we get this romantic cliffhanger but even in those kinds of moments we understand implicitly what joel must be experiencing he's excited we see him happy he's ordering beers waiting for her and then he realizes oh she's in paris she's not coming and we just get to see him drunkenly walking the street but there's no dialogue there's no no opportunity to dig in deeper than that so there's so many ways they could have done it too you know what i was waiting for i was waiting for him to like call her and leave like a drunken voicemail so we Mm -hmm. could find out what he's thinking yeah yeah, like there's there's too much of that where it's not quite shallow storytelling, but it feels like it just wasn't thought through 100%. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. I don't regret watching this show. I think I will still f- watch season two because it does for me scratch a little bit of a being Erica itch that I do miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I will be expecting a lot of season two. I will be really hoping for it to tie up a lot of loose ends and I will be hoping to spend some more time with the other characters and if I don't get that I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'll keep watching well yeah I mean you teased it the end of this first season the big 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 cliffhanger is not just the romantic triangle but also the fact that Joel has managed to hack into Anita's account and he has traveled back into time so there's every possibility that the second season is going to focus on Joel's perspective which wouldn't have been the character I would go with, but I do think it could make for some interesting drama because we might get to see some of these previous scenes recontextualized through somebody else's eyes. And Joel is very much the male proxy to Anita, so it makes sense in that capacity. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where if that second season is going to improve or address some of the concerns that we've identified with season one... It's going to have to double down on some of these secondary characters because, yeah, that's where the messy interesting actually Mm -hmm. is. 
it would be a neat conceit to have every six episode season follow a different character and ah. allow time to progress, but also keep going back to those those first day of school scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that could be really interesting. And I agree that, yeah, I wouldn't have picked Joel for the second one. But <laughs> but I think that might may have potential. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm going to give it another try. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not sure I'm warm enough on it. So I may wait to see what you report back. Uh, perhaps if we ever do another round of sort of like check-ins, what have we been watching yeah. and reading, homework episodes, if slash when season two drops and you check it out, maybe you can update me and the listeners. I will, for sure. In the meantime, should we bingo it? Uh, we can bingo it, yeah. Okay. Bingo! Not a good bingo. Okay, so obviously a Netflix connection. This is when I like Netflix. I like when Netflix goes around the world and checks out cool things that are happening in mm-hmm. other markets that I would never see otherwise, and then shoves them in my face because it knows that I like teen culture. So good for you, <laughs> Netflix. This is the one time your algorithm didn't make me mad. There we go. Yay. Um, I'm going to give Perfect Date. There's a bunch of them, but for me, I really liked the moments in the Paris scenes between Enrique and Anita when they flash back to their teen selves. So there's this sort of sense of like their teen selves walking down the streets of Paris. I really Mm -hmm. liked that. I thought it was extremely cute. So I'm going to give it for Perfect Date. Okay. I I do want to push back slightly on that. I liked it the first time. And after the 60th time, I was done with it. (laughs) I think that's fair. I almost wish that they had just, like, there's this implicit magic about Paris where you can get away with something like, oh, they're back in their teenage cells falling in love like they should have at 15. Mm -hmm. Like, if they had just let it be just the teenagers going around Paris, I think that would have been better than the going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because... Ultimately, the teenage actors are more compelling than the adult actors almost across the board on this series. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We've obviously got Magic Supernatural. Yes. Flying Chime. And we've got Dead Body, Dead Family with the dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Good Friendships. And we've also got Hollow Romances because (laughs) uh, the whole cousin and Eduardo stuff is just like bad. And so is Louise's relationship. I was going to say, so is everything happening with Louisa, pretty much. Yeah. We've got a queer secondary character, which mm-hmm. is the argument I'm going to make for Cesar, because we don't get enough of Cesar for him to be a primary character. No, and you could say it's stunt casting because they went with a very high-profile trans actress. That's true. That's true. What about musicality? Because I did feel like it often goes in conjunction with our perfect dates, but like this mm. series does feel like it has a heavy emphasis on, especially in the 2006 back to 15 sequences, like particular songs are meant to activate memories. Like, I remember how to do this dance. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't think I have all the cultural reference points for oh, the, God, no. that, Mm-mm. but I did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I think that we could make the argument for borrowed time once mm-hmm. Anita believes that Joel has figured out that she's traveling through time. It's only a matter of time before that comes to a head. And also, I Absolutely. guess eventually 15 and 30 do meet up. So that's borrowed mm-hmm. time as well. Yeah, we've also got a rags to riches story because she oh, is yeah. dirt poor when we see her the first time in the present. And then she is pretty freaking wealthy if she can afford to just fly to Paris and do a job that she never actually does. No, never. You know what made me happy, though, in the past and the future, especially around, like, her her class status changing? Mm-hmm. She always has the same cat. She never, like, trades yeah. in for a designer cat. 
I was happy by that too. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that Joel has a dog in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that said, a lot of the Paris stuff is montage. It's like we are mm-hmm. taking photos. Also, terrible photos. As a professional, she should have been yeah. not shoving the camera in people's faces. No. <laughs> Taking pictures without their consent. No. Mm-mm. No. And it does that thing, too, where then it shows you the picture and there's no way from the angle Absolutely she was at. That's not. the picture that she took. <laughs> no. <laughs> <sighs> um, I think that's everything. I think so. So it very nearly gives us two lines. Uh, so mm. unless we want to try to make the argument that she is the chosen one, <laughs> uh, we just have one line down the center. Yay! Well, good for us anyway. There we go. There we go. So, Brenna, where are we headed next? Well, Joe, I think we are kind of late to this party compared to our listeners, because mm-hmm. judging by the tweets anyway, but we are going to finally read and watch Heartstopper. Uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of hilarious. You're you're not even joking that <laughs> I think we got about five or six messages that were like, when are you going to cover Heartstopper? And we were just like, Brenna's on vacation. We can't do it right now. <laughs> we got the announcement for Heartstopper coming out so late, and we had already programmed all of the pre-travel episodes that were going to run while I was away. So mm-hmm. yeah, we got kind of stuck by that. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, but we are going to cover at least the first two volumes of Alice Oseman's comic, and then we're going to cover, obviously, the entirety of this first season. Yes, so we're back with popular demand for Heartstopper. Yeah. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And Mm -hmm. Brenna, uh, if folks are reading along with Book Club, what should they be reading and how did they get a hold of us? They should be reading the very risque Wetlands, which is different for us. Uh Wow. Um, So get reading and get your thoughts in on that. If you haven't yet, you can find us on the Twitters at HKHSPod or on the hashtag HKHSPod. But if you've got something longer for book club, you're going to want our email address, HKHSPod at gmail.com. And Joe... If they want to contact you specifically about Back to 15 fan fiction, where do they do that? Uh, I'm willing to accept pictures of young Joel, and I can be reached <laughs> at B Stole My Remote, and that's the letter B. And I'm at Brenna C. Gray. That's Gray with an A. And uh, yeah, get reading. And you've already watched Heartstopper, so come back to talk about that with us next week. And, exactly. <laughs> uh, until next time, I'll see you on the page. And I'll see you on the screen. Right. I think I gotta get the list one. So we're going to Heartstopper next. Oh, okay. So, So, uh, Brenna, where are we headed next? We are going to. Hang on, I'm gonna try to get.